0: The National Archives podcast series, Big Ideas, sharing knowledge and expertise with business, presented by Costas Danos. This talk was presented on the 3rd of March 2014 at the National Archives Q. As uh, Val said, sharing knowledge and expertise with business is the the big idea. And I think we were discussing about this earlier and I think maybe the fact that the Knowledge Transfer Partners Scheme would facilitate perhaps big ideas makes it the biggest idea but um, I'll talk about a little bit about the scheme and a little bit about our project specifically and hopefully that will get your uh, thinking going about your big ideas. So as I said the idea is that we have knowledge um, and expertise somewhere uh, and then we have an industry partner on the other on the other end and either either from one end or the other, because it could be a, a, bo- a, a two-way sort of relationship, there is a need for a product or a service to be developed. And for the knowledge and expertise side, that could be a product or a service that w- is needed as an end user. And from the industry side is a product or a service that needs to be developed so that the industry itself grows and, and becomes more innovative. So you get those two together and... The, what the scheme facilitates is, uh, as I said, the development of, of innovation so uh, although this is the uh, basic idea, now what I want to talk about is that there is actually a scheme that would facilitate this to happen, and that is the, the knowledge partner the knowledge transfer partnership scheme. I came across the idea a couple of years ago when I was in the position of the, the side of knowledge and expertise needing a product and trying to find a way of getting that to, to happen in ways that wouldn't necessarily need a lot of resource or um, money from, from TNA side. So I came across the Knowledge Transfer Partnership, and it's a scheme that has been running for about 35 years now, but in a different reincarnation to start with, which was the Teaching Company Scheme. Maybe some of you have heard it, the TCS, which was um, developed to give British firms new opportunities to break into new technologies and new markets and new methodologies. It was funded under the Science and Technology Act uh, of 1965 and it was established in 1975 by the Science and Engineering Search Council at the time. But then it now it became the knowledge transfer partnership as we know it today which although initially it was aimed f- to cover engineering projects now it covers a wide range of businesses to meet the social technological economic priorities in the UK. The KTP has broadened its remit from the physical and social sciences to include disciplines such as arts, media, uh, and social environment and it covers pretty much every business sector in the UK with about 800 partnerships running at any one time. The aims of the of the KTP scheme is to assist businesses to develop and embed within their own organization the capability to engage in open innovation and to help them build, maintain, and use sustainable inno- innovation relationships with the UK knowledge base. And a lot of the what is referred to as the UK knowledge base in the scheme is the academic, and I'll explain how we fit into this, although we're not an academic institution is also to enable businesses to access the technology, knowledge and skills which are available within the UK through participation in collaborative projects to achieve a step change in in capability to respond to new growth opportunities. To deliver transformational change through innovation by improving the competitiveness, productivity and performance of UK businesses, increasing their commercial relevance to the UK academic research and teaching and enhancing personal skills and commercial awareness of recently qualified people entering the workplace. And finally, to support wealth creation and economic growth within the UK. The scheme is run by the Technology Strategy Board, but it's actually funded by about 15 different funding organizations. Most, if not all, of the research councils, plus a couple of other uh, organizations. And in fact, when a project proposal is submitted and evaluated by the Technology Strategy Board, the different funding uh, organizations can choose to specifically support a percentage of the projects if they, if the project if they feel that is relevant to their own uh, scope. So, in fact, our proposal, which I will talk uh, about in a minute, ha- is supported 30% directly by the Arts and Humanities Research Council, 35% by the EPSRC, and the rest, 35%, comes from the Technology Strategy Board. It doesn't really mean anything because it could have been funded directly 100% by the technology strategy board it just gives us a bit more relevance within the the research councils that what we do is um, is important to to them and it gives us an opportunity to also make a bit of a puff about our project when we come out to to do uh, communications about it so our project and how it works is that we are the knowledge base and You uh, create a partnership between a knowledge base and an industry partner and normally you hire at least one KTP associate who is the person that makes the transfer of knowledge from the knowledge base to the industry partner. So basically the person that does does the work. We uh, were not a knowledge base until about 18 months ago where we applied to the technology strategy board to be considered to become a knowledge to be listed within the knowledge base uh, knowledge spaces in the UK and at the time they were actually quite surprised and it was a bit unfamiliar to them to have to evaluate our proposal because anybody who would have ever been a uh, knowledge base was already a knowledge base and it was mostly uh, academic institutions. There are about 450 different uh, university departments that participate very, very actively <coughs> in, the, in the scheme. So although it's new to us, it's not particularly new to people in, in academia but it was quite new to the Technology Strategy Board that the National Archives decided to to become a knowledge base, and we had to meet certain uh, certain criteria, which are a little bit more straightforward for academic institutions, not so much for us. But the Technology Strategy Board agreed that we would perfectly qualify to become a knowledge base. So it all starts with with an idea, a big or, or small, and either an industry partner or knowledge base identifies that need for this product or service. be to be developed and as soon as you have that idea you contact the ktp scheme and you are assigned a ktp advisor and the ktp advisors are local and they have areas that that they cover so our ktp advisor is the surrey uh, ktp advisor they're assigned directly to your uh, to, to your project and they start developing the idea into something that can be submitted to the to the technology strategy board for evaluation it's. I have to say, I was I was very impressed with the with the support that K, the the KTP advisors give, and and because they are so uh, heavily involved from the beginning, there's a very high success rate for the proposals that eventually get submitted. Because in effect, the KTP advisor is the person who um, supports and submits the proposal to the Technology Strategy Board. So they will not do it unless they are confident that it's a worthwhile proposal. Once it is submitted, there are two rounds of selection and there is sort of an 80% success rate for the first round. And once it goes to the second round, there's about 90% success rate. So it's, it's worth putting the effort into working with a KTP advisor because there is a very, it, it's likely that you get a good outcome. So we became an OLED space and... And once we were, we were allowed to, to, to proceed, I started developing this idea that, uh, that I had with our industry partner. I didn't include uh, a lot about what is in it for the industry partner or the KTP associate because the KTP scheme really is developed with the industry in mind um, plus the KTP associate, who is someone who comes in, in into the, work, uh, the workforce for the, for the first time, uh, or at least as a recent graduate. Um, but in terms of the knowledge base, which is us, we could go into the KTP scheme as an industry partner still, if we choose to do so, so, to be us who are developing something rather than an industry partner, but I don't think that will be particularly attractive for the National Archives. As a knowledge base, though, what we get out of participating in the scheme is income, and that comes from IP, an IP agreement that we have to have with an industry partner, and royalties that we will be receiving after the, the product is developed and exploited by the industry partner. Strategic relationships with the company. And I'll come to that because that's really why we, I chose the industry partner that, that, that we are working with. Um, academic outputs, uh, it's part of the KTP Associates development that they, they publish and, and uh, they have high academic outputs. Um, teaching materials and case studies uh, and projects, that is more relevant to academic institutions, but within the National Archives, we do also do a lot of teaching and outreach to other organizations, so that is also quite, uh, quite useful, and like with any other um, projects, I'm sure a lot of other questions come, uh, come through that then can be developed to um, further research projects. And then staff development, commercial awareness, which is something that may be quite new to the National Archives, or at least to (coughs) my area of work, perhaps not so much for commercial development, but it's not something that I have done uh, before. In our case, just to give you some numbers, um, the the total uh, grant that we received was about £120,000, and from that, the Technology Strategy Board and the KTP scheme provides about 30-35% and the rest 60% comes from the industry partner. So the industry partner, to participate in the scheme, they have to top up the, the grant that we receive from, uh, from KTP, which makes it, I suspect, a little bit more attractive to an industry partner to want to participate with us in developing a project because they get some of the money from the scheme <laughs> rather than having to put the whole capital resource in themselves. We have in the past done similar things with, with companies where we tendered for them to come and work with us to develop things, which is absolutely fine, and it could work really well like that. But it means that they have to have the capacity to pay for the whole um, cost of the of the projects. Where the because the KTP aims for mainly for SMEs, it makes it more attractive if they get some of the funding out of the out of the project. So my motivation and the reason we started the the project with the KTP is because, as you may know, in collection care we collect a lot of environmental monitoring data. Lots and lots and lots of them. 12 and a half million data points of relative humidity and temperature data that we collect every year, and we use them in ways that uh, allows us to interpret what the environment is in the repositories in, in our storage areas, and what we need to do in order to provide better environment for the records, and at the same time, reduce our energy consumption so that we can meet government targets. So we start from rows and rows of data in quite cumbersome Excel spreadsheets and lines of relative humidity and temperature that are really hard to interpret for the scale of operation that now and the size of our repositories. And after a very long and difficult process of trying to manipulate that data, we end up with maps that map the um, quality of the environment in the in the repositories, and we can track that and monitor that as estates and facilities make changes to the to our environmental management systems and see whether we are improving the environment and at the same time, as I said, lowering the cost of uh, of running them. This was fine when we started, and and. In other talks we have given, we have demonstrated how we have improved conditions in the repositories and also made quite some big changes in the costs of running the system. But as I said, to, to do it for the scale of our operation here, it takes a very long time. And also we are limited by using Excel, which is not particularly intelligent or, or sophisticated. So it was one of those kind of moments where you think if only... There was a software that would do this. We on at a click of a button. If only you know, we had a a, a software package that you could put our data in, and it, then you can press a button, and it will create these things that are really useful to us. And and that's what I have. I, I was thinking. So I looked into working with the provider of our environmental monitoring system, and uh, which is uh, a company called Hanwell but is now uh, owned by what is called the IMC Group. So this is the IMC Group, which is basically a company that develops monitoring uh, electronic equipment uh, for monitoring across all sorts of sectors, pharmaceuticals mainly and uh, and industry. But they also have a heritage branch, which is a handwell, basically. And the collection of environmental data in heritage environments is a very significant part of the IMC Group's uh, business. and, But for many years, the focus of their um, work has been on the engineering side of their sensors rather than in the presentation of the, of the data or interpretation of the data, which was left to the customer to do. However, uh, because the interpretation of data has become even more complex and people are expected to work in a more kind of higher abstract level, it has also become clear to the company that moving on, they have to turn more from a hardware uh, provider into an information provider. So what they wanted to do was to develop their software side of of their products to do that kind of analysis and that kind of interpretation that we have been doing here because they have reached a point where they have developed their hardware as much as they could. And in fact, they have done that through other KTPs in the past. Uh, So if they want to push their product uh, out in the market, even to people that don't use their own environmental monitoring system, one way of doing it was to provide that product that helps people interpret the data that they collect, especially within sort of collection care professionals. We always go on about how people collect a lot of data but not really do much uh, with it and one of the reasons perhaps is because it's very hard to do with excel spreadsheets and 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 um, whatnot so the it just happened that the IMC group uh, using another KTP had recently uh, developed their uh, software interface for their products, which makes it a bit more user-friendly, and it's now web-based uh, uh, as opposed to being locally in um, in PCs as as it used to be. But still, that didn't go as far as including any reporting tools into their system. So they were very keen to create that reporting software package that they could add on to their interface because their interface is built like that. It's built so people can add add things into as they as they go along. So they are not specialists in conservation science and they clearly needed expertise and knowledge and input from our area to do this, to develop this, uh, this product. And this is the benefit they get from uh, collaborating with us. Their systems are very common in, in heritage environments worldwide, not just in the UK. And as I said, they don't offer any other reporting tools. So what it was quite timely that at the same time as I was having these discussions with the IMC group we had the publication of the PAS 198 that Nancy led the work on and we had a lot of input to this and also the ongoing revision of existing standards like the PD 5454 that is now the kind of reincarnation of the of B- BS 5454 and other standards that have been and requirements or guidelines that have been published for example, from the National Museum's Directors Conference and all the government sustainability targets that uh, government departments have to have to meet. So having the knowledge and expertise from our side of how we interpret data and what we do with it, and on the other side, the industry partner that was keen to develop a tool that they would incorporate into their product, the aim of our project is to develop a specialized software that will carry out this kind of risk-based assessment of environmental monitoring conditions in storage that will enable users to analyze, compare, visualize, and interpret environmental monitoring data with, a s- with simple click functions. Furthermore, because this, is, this may still be quite sophisticated for uh, places where there isn't a lot of expertise in interpreting data, even if they are visualized in, in these ways, our two main aims: one is to provide different levels of expertise that people can choose to use in the software um, in, in the software package. So, if uh, at the lowest level it would be maybe a traffic light system where you click a button, the analysis is done on the background, and it tells you amber, uh, red, or green. You're okay. You have to look at something, or or, or your environment, or the environment is not uh, good. And then for people who have more expertise or that they have the capacity to then influence their environmental management systems, that there will be far more in-depth tools and sophisticated tools for for doing that. But the main um, thing that that will perhaps be different to any other tools that may exist uh, in the market, that I don't think there are any, there's probably only one slightly comparable to what we want to develop, is that the technology that IMC Group uses for their software allows to keep uh, the data separately, so data that is uh, collected by their environmental monitoring system or any other system, separate to the interface and what will be coming out as a visualized sort of assessment or report of the environment. And the third component of a library of um, guidelines, functions... Uh, equations, whatever you want to call it, that people can define and use to do the analysis that they that they want to carry out. So if in the future new sta- standards emerge or a specific institution has specific requirements for their collection and they say, okay, I know PD5454, is, you know, if I wanted to assess my environment against that, it would be between 45% and 60% relative humidity. But because we have a particular material type, we would rather, or because we want to be very cautious, we would rather um, assess our conditions against a slightly different sort of range than that they will be able to input that into the project and run the same assessment. However, we would have confidence that the assessment is done correctly and with consistency despite of what people choose to choose to use. So what we're doing at the moment is having to develop this kind of library of, of requirements and functions and the KTP associate building the, the software that will link data and the and output for, for the users. IMC is very keen to be able to sell the product even to people that don't use their environmental monitoring equipment. So you will be able to import your spreadsheet data from whatever is even if you are just taking measurements manually and also to then sell upgrades when they want to change requirements into their sort of library or every few years if there's a new standard emerging that they will sell sort of an upgrade of of the of the library that we will build we are at the moment very early stages of the project which started in the beginning of february so what we're doing is now creating a list of requirements of what the software should look like and what it will look like for the end user and then walk backwards to see what are the implications for building a software that will do this. So we will go around various possible end users and ask them what would you like that software, that software to be doing to see whether what we were thinking of doing matches their expectations and, and find sort of a compromise of what is possible to to achieve in the in the time frame it's a two-year project so we as i said we only just started and the the good thing about it is that because there's an industry partner involved they have an interest in marketing this and selling it and pushing it out so as long as as soon as we Kind of do our thing and transfer our knowledge and expertise. We don't really need to be involved in how this is going to be marketed or pushed out to the market because they have a, a vested interest in doing that and also maintaining it through the through the years and something that they can um, that can continue to market. The KTP is not, uh, it's not necessarily a big idea, but it does facilitate big ideas in producing whatever the wherever there is a need. For, um, for a product or a service or a methodology or anything that, that you may have in mind. And so if you ever thought after the f- years that you have been working here that if only there was this thing that would do that for us or for someone else, because we know and we have done it many times before, but not necessarily in a way that is easy or that is effective or efficient. And if someone would create something, then that would be very useful bet that there will be someone in the industry out there that is really keen to develop that something and then market it for their own benefit and growth of their their company. I may be wrong, but I can see a lot of areas in in TNA where that could be the case. And although it's a fairly new thing for us, uh, my experience so far is that it's pretty straightforward and they have a very good support mechanism for people who have never done it before to get things going as i said it doesn't have to be a product it can be a service it can be an education package that we develop from the expertise that our education team has in how how their their programs perceived by students and, and from teachers and then they find a an industry partner to develop something it could be scanners for digitization that meet exactly the requirements that scanning archival documents that can be developed with with a company that makes scanners and then sold to um, companies that scan archival records it could be an information management system that as the National Archives, surely we have expertise of how to manage information. That we may want someone to create a, a product that will do it more easily or in the way that would benefit us and others in the sector. So put your thinking hats on, and it will be your ideas next. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives, all rights reserved.